Hi everyone, welcome back to Zevo Talks. I'm John Paul Hughes, a health coach here at Zevo Health. And today we are starting a journey looking at different areas of health and fitness for all levels. We wanted to create something like this because people have a bunch of questions when getting into something new around health and well-being. So we wanted to bring in some experience and help pull the veil away from some of these well-being topics where you might have some questions. So today we are going to start with possibly the most purest of wellness topics, and that is running. So personally myself, I'm a bit of a hobbyist runner, but fortunately on our staff, we have someone with much, much more experience than me. And that is, of course, Garrett Moran. Welcome to the podcast, Garrett. Hi, JV. Thanks. It's great to be here. So, yeah, no, it's nice. So I, I know that Garrett's not one to brag about his achievements, but maybe, Garrett, you could take us through a brief history um, of your time in running. Yeah, sure. So I am I've been running, I guess you'd call kind of semi-seriously for like probably about 13 years. I did the Dublin Marathon in 2008, um, just kind of on a whim. Um, just, just playing a few sports like tag rugby at the time. Someone said, you, you're a pretty okay runner. So I just kind of trained for about 12 weeks uh, for that time and um, set myself a goal uh, in that and, and kind of went and did it. And then kind of the next uh, next winter, I guess, kind of in early 2009, I decided kind of that I, I like this kind of running crack. So I decided to join a club. Um, mm. I joined Sports World Running Club, which is in Terenure in Dublin. I've been there ever since. Yeah, brilliant. So with that kind of firepower, 13 years of experience in my couple of years experience, we're hopefully going to debunk um, some of the myths and answer some of the questions about people hopefully just getting into running. So maybe you've done a little bit of running in the past. Maybe you've played some team sports or maybe you haven't run ever or in a long time. We're going to address things like equipment, what you should be doing on your first session, how you should be tracking your exercise. What are the sort of things you should be focusing on? pre-rituals for before you start running, uh, how to like structure your running in terms of doing some training. We're going to cover some beginner mistakes. And we're also going to talk about how a workplace can promote different areas of wellness like running. So the first thing I wanted to cover and start on is it's probably equipment. Before you run, you have to put some equipment on. You got to get changed. These things, you got to get your runners. So what should people be thinking about before they start running in terms of what equipment do they definitely need or possibly need, you know, before they start uh, kicking off their journey? Yard? Well, the most important thing you're going to need is a pair of running shoes. Um, I'll often kind of see people will decide to go out and run in what I call kind of fashion shoes. So they'll have a pair of shoes up from their local, you know, mm. just lifestyle or foot locker or something like that. Um, and they'll start to go for a run. And that's generally kind of seen as a, as a bad idea. You want to get something that's actually specific to running. Um, so what I'd recommend there is that you actually go into a speciality running shop and actually kind of get mm-hmm. them to kind of have a look and get some shoes uh, that actually suit your foot. Because um, if you do a small bit of kind of research online, you'll see that like a lot of people have very different types of foot. Some are wide, mm-hmm. some are long, some are you know, high arch, low arch. And, they can just take all that kind of jargon and kind of you know, do a quick analysis for five minutes and give you the exact kind of shoe that's going to work for you. Um, so shoes would be the kind of the main thing that I'd be encouraging people to go and get a good pair of first. You don't need to spend a fortune. Mm. Uh, you know, you can spend, you know, 70, 80 euro on a pair of shoes and actually get quite a good pair that will last you quite a while. Um, mm. And I would probably say that's the most important thing. You don't need to be going and spending a fortune on the best, you know, Nike, or Adidas kind of clothing and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, a t-shirt that you pick up anywhere or something that you have already is good. Obviously, if you're running in winter, you might want some reflective gear, but the actual running clothes themselves, you know, it's not that important to be going out and buying new stuff straight away. The shoes are way, way mm. more important. And then when you get into, sorry, go on, yeah. No, I was just going to say while you're on it, like what are the sort of uh, shops around Dublin or, or the areas that you know that, that might be able to do a service like that? Where could people go to kind of start that process? Well, I'd say there's a couple in Dublin that I know and recommend. Uh, so there's like Amphibian King, which is like uh, a few locations. They have a good website. You can look those guys up. And um, there's also Run Hub, which have a few locations around town. Um, Amphibian King being kind of in the triathlon space, but, but good and running. And then Run Hub, um, you know, are specific for running. 
Elbridge mm-hmm. is obviously a big brand that people would know as well. Some of their stores do have um, you know, the, the gait analysis, so kind of looking at your your foot and your run style and all that kind of stuff. But you know, if you really want to get into it, say kind of go into somewhere that really focuses on running because you'll just get you know the, the really good service from them, mm-hmm. and they won't try and just sell you the the most expensive pair of runners as well that get you something that actually will work for you, which is a good important piece. And I suppose it can be tempting for a lot of people who do a lot of online shopping just to go onto a website and try to get a good bargain. But what are the some of the issues you might see if someone gets the wrong pair of runners for, for themselves? The biggest thing that I'll see generally is that um, they'll get blisters or something on their foot because it's just, it's rubbing up there against them the wrong way in the foot. Like it's always mm. a good idea. And anybody that's kind of buying a pair of running shoes or walking shoes really for that matter, I would say you should be getting something that's half a size bigger than you would normally wear in your mm. dress shoes because you're just, um, you're, when you exercise your, your limbs, your muscles, your feet get bigger. So it's just always good to have that extra room. So, you know, when you were young, you, you might have had someone kind of saying, you know, is your toe sticking out the front of that toe? And you, that's definitely, you don't, or the, mm. sticking in front of that shoe rather, that's definitely something you don't want in a running shoe. You want to have your kind of your toe well back, kind of you know when you put them on first, and you kind of you know you let your foot expand and kind of naturally mm. move through its gait cycle. So it's important to be doing that. And what about you know? I know we're we're in kind of a, a cooler climate here in Ireland, uh, and I suppose a lot of people are going to be running throughout the whole year. Um, and so, what what are the things that can do in in regards to cold running, cold weather, wet weather? Like, is there is there specific types of clothing that people might want to look at instead of just running, going for a run in a cotton t shirt and a pair of shorts? Yeah, you see a lot of people doing that, and like I think um, you know, like cyclists or runners, you can sometimes be aghast that people go out like in a black t shirt and a black uh, pair of shorts on a winter's night. So, getting yourself something reflective is the most important mm. place to start. Um, you can pick up like reflective gear for, for next to nothing. You can even get them free from like road safety authority and stuff like that. They don't require it to be kind of, you know, you're wearing it over your t-shirt. So it's like, it's not going to need to be as washed as many times as, as your actual yeah. t-shirt or shorts might be. So it's not much hassle in that respect either. Um, I'd say they're the kind of the, the essential things just to be seen when you're actually, you know, out there on the road is the most important piece there, especially yeah. winter. Um, you can also as well, like, I mean, um, double up on your t-shirts like if you don't mind doing a bit more washing and stuff double up on your t-shirts and you know get a nice light uh, kind of beanie and a pair of gloves your hat and your head are going to be the things like if you're swimming or doing cycling any other sport when you're outdoors your hat and your your, sorry, your head and your hands are going to be the things that are most exposed and the things you want to protect the rest of your body will warm up pretty quickly actually if they're covered yeah, for me, that's that's definitely the the big thing to keep warm. I wear a pair of gloves and I wear something to cover, especially my ears. You know, it could be a, like a, a headband or just a full on kind of like tight fitting hat are the way to go. Otherwise, you know, it's it can be quite miserable. You can you can manage it for two or three k, but then it just starts to bite into those fingers and ears. Uh, and, and yeah, and another thing that I found useful for myself, I like to listen to music when when I run and uh, a product that I've found really beneficial instead of bringing your phone in your pocket, which your pockets are often quite cavernous so they, and the phone can kind of jump around in there and you can have it on the arm on these kind of straps, but they're, they're quite clumsy on them. You can get running belts, which you can get on Amazon for quite cheap. And they, they, they're like a, a nice material that's quite stretchy and you can uh, put your phone into them and you can also fit other things you can fit your your house keys and things like that and that's been an invaluable sort of thing that's got me through to help me out so i can listen to music without feeling things jumping around so for me gloves hat and uh, my, my little my little running belt is uh, my, my three top tips for everyone out there yeah the running belts are great actually because um i've lost track of the amount of times that i've gone out for a run and you have your earphones in and then I've lost my house key. And then you're like, mm. oh God, what am I going to do now? So like the running belt is good because you can stick your phone in there. You can stick your key. You can even stick, you know, a 10 euro note in there that you kind of never use unless it's emergency. So you have it all the time as well. So yeah. it's quite beneficial as well. Yeah. And plus, if you're going on a longer run, you could stick, you know, a, you know some gummy bears or something in there, a bit of fuel as well. Like if you're getting yeah. to a bit more as well, you know, it's nice. One of the things we didn't talk about as well, you mentioned the phone there. So I think that's interesting. Um, you can spend a lot of money when you're new to running, getting all the kind of latest gadgets and stuff. And you'll see there's all these 
watches from Garmin and Fitbit and all these types of things. Your phone actually does a pretty good job of recording that kind of stuff in the first instance. Um, so no matter what type of phone you have it'll, nowadays, it'll have some basic app, be it Google Fit or Apple Health or something like that for tracking your, your steps. So running is exactly the same as, as walking in that respect. Like, so all you need is a basic step tracker and you can start to record your activities. When you get into it a bit more, you might start downloading some of the other apps that are out there like Strava, which is a specific community for running and cycling. But when you're beginning, like just don't get, you know, too bogged down in the actual numbers and don't start looking at your phone like during the run, kind of seeing what pace you're going and all that kind of stuff. You might look mm. at that stuff six months down the road when you're kind of a bit more further along in the journey, but at the start, it's much better just to kind of go really basic on that perspective and just like actually just go by natural kind of feel. By all means, listen to the music on your phone, you know, once it's kind of safe to do so and all that kind of stuff, but you don't need to kind of go overly tracking everything with kind of fancy watches and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely tempting uh, to, to do that for, for a lot of people. They're so, you know, data driven that they want to kind of track everything. But I think, you know, learning the kind of sensations yourself first instead of the data telling you can be probably a good uh, advantage for the first while. And I suppose we're, we're starting to get into across this spectrum. So you've got your, your gear, you, you've got your, your clothing, you, you're all figured yourself out. So you're going to start either you're going to have your first session or you've done a couple um, in the past and, you, you know, you never got into it really too much. So what should people be focusing on on their first couple of sessions? Like, you know, should they just be going out the door and going, you know, just going straight for it through their, their local loop? Or is there a few tips you can give to people on uh, how they should uh, plan out their first couple of sessions yeah so i'd say if you're totally starting out like and you're not you know playing some other sport at the moment then like kind of running 5k is, is a good target you'll see these things like couch to 5k and park run kind of advertised around the country so 5k is kind of seen like a distance that if you know you, if you train for a bit of time you'll be able to kind of do um, no matter what fitness level you're coming from it's always a good place if you're starting kind of um, you know, from a lower base, it's kind of to you know, do a, a run-walk kind of plan at the start mm. um, and just do it like a 50-50 split, like, you know, run for a minute, walk for a minute, run for a minute, walk for a minute um, and, and kind of do it that way. You'll actually be amazed how quickly the time will go. And then, you know, what you would do then is every week, kind of once you're happy that you're progressing and you're not picking up any injuries or that kind of thing, then, you know, you can, uh, you can start to change that up a bit. You might go from one minute walk to one minute run and then you might go like 90 seconds run, one minute walk, or else you might decide that you want to go two minute run, two minute walk. So there's different ways that you can kind of split it up. Like you can change the intervals and go kind of longer on each, on each section or else you can do a bit more running and kind of a bit less walking over time. And mm. you can just try out the different options there. There's no kind of set rule on it. It's just kind of, you know, depending on how you progress and that kind of stuff, it's going to make kind of, it's going to feel better for you. I guess is a good way of putting it. Mm. I think for, for me anyway, when I first started running and I had a background in field sports and things like that, I was so used to just running hard all the time. When you go for your first run, you, you just go out the door and you have your route and you try to just do it as quickly as possible. And you finish, you know, getting back to your house in a, a pool of, of sweat. You're, you're absolutely dying. You couldn't take another, you know, another step. Like, is that the, the right thing? It should be people almost be, you know, emptying themselves out on their first couple of sessions, or is there a smarter way to go about it? Um, it's much better off to come through stronger, um, you know, than, than you actually you feel, you feel you can. Like, you can, you can use that kind of, you know, if you're, you know, if you're going to sprint for 100 meters, kind of, or you can kind of use that to kind of gauge what your fitness is. But if you do that for a kilometer, and, you know, you're only making it 200 meters, then you know that you need to kind of maybe split that or sorry, slow that down by like 30 or 40 percent and then try and yeah. pick up towards the end. Like it's much, much better to do it that way. Um, and when you get into it a bit more, there's some kind of there's some stuff you could look up online as well in terms of using those kind of, you know, shorter duration intervals and stuff to, uh, to you know, kind of improve a bit more as well. I think we'll get into that a bit more as well. We kind of we progress a bit kind of in the, in the conversation a bit more. Yeah, I suppose it's a good direction to take it. You know, like, uh, I suppose, uh, how do people track those first few weeks? How do they know, you know, if, if they're improving? Should they be looking at how much distance they're doing, you know, every 
session or every week? Should they be timing their loops? You know, what should people be thinking about? Or even or have they should be de- tracking how exhausted they feel in the session, after the session? What are some good ways to kind of track things over time? Or should people even be thinking about that? I wouldn't be thinking about doing any more at the start than if you have a journal or a diary, like just kind of writing down how you feel um, mm. after, after the runs. Because um, if you don't write down how you feel, you can quite quickly find that um, you forget. And you might have something like very often, like an example of an injury that runners will get when they're starting out is, is shin splints. Mm. So you can get pain. The, the shin is kind of at the front and the side of your leg. So you can get you know, pain down those kind of areas. And you know, over time, you may kind of forget when did this actually start? Is it two weeks that I've had the problem or three weeks or did just start last week? But if you write that down, I think it can help. And then if you do end up kind of in a situation where you've done a bit too much, you've pushed it a bit too hard. If you go to see a physiotherapist, you have that information and that'll help them, you know, work on what exercises to kind of help you and kind of build you up. Um, I would say that it's always good if you do start to notice any kind of little niggles or stuff, you know, building up kind of when you start just ease back a bit, you know, don't go for the run the next day, kind of you know, mm. go back to, to walking and stuff. It's normally your body is telling you kind of that you're over, you know, exerting yourself a bit too much. You just pushed a bit too hard. So just ease back that bit. Um, in terms of actually kind of recording, you know, what you're doing, then I, I think it's good to kind of set yourself a goal initially of running like two or three days a week. Mm. Um, and normally the way I'd suggest people break that up is, you're probably going to start with a run walk. Um, most people would. You start with a minute or you start with two minutes kind of on and, and two minutes off, on and off being running and walking. Um, but depending on kind of how fit you are, you can change it up yourself. You kind of get a good feel for it. But you can also do things like what you can do is record your, what's called your RPE. So it's like your perceived exertion. So if you were to rate from like one to 10, you know, how did that feel? 10 being very difficult and one being, you know, pretty mm. easy. I felt like I was walking. That's just a good kind of thing to put down in your in your notebook as well, in terms of kind of you know, you know how you felt on the day. So any little niggles, kind of you know, rank from one to ten, and then over time, you know, the perceived exertion probably won't get any less. It'll probably actually get higher. But that's a good sign. You, you'll often get people who are new to running asking you, you know, someone who's been running a while, when does it get easier? And it doesn't actually really get that much easier. It's just your percep- perception of kind of, you know, the pace that you're running gets gets better. Like, so you'll, you'll get faster over time as well. But you'll actually probably end up just kind of running that bit faster as well. And that's kind of what people do. So, you know, there's not really much difference between some guy who's going to the Olympics and someone who's starting off a lot of the time in terms of, you know, what their body is feeling at any, at any point in time when they're actually running. Their pace may be completely different. But, you know, at some point in time during that run, they'll be pushing themselves quite 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 similarly you know kind of it can be very similar um, yeah. it's all about kind of building up over time and kind of you know your perception of what you're doing will improve and you'll get faster kind of you know before you even kind of start to realize that yourself you'll you'll just you know it'll feel easier basically i wouldn't be tracking your time per kilometer or anything like that at all at the start you know if, you, if you're you know still in it and still enjoying it kind of you know three months later then you know, you could start doing that because you can actually kind of start to you know, look at that information and you could start to say, well, I'm going to try and, you know, you know, increase my pace on one of these runs, like one of the days during the week by like five or 10 seconds per kilometer and actually kind of actively try and do that. Whereas mm-hmm. if, when you're starting out, it's just not worth doing that at all. I just think, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be bothered with that kind of thing. One mm-hmm. thing that you could do is um, if you do run three days a week um, and you've got a bit more time, like say on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, you haven't got work to go to and um, you can actually, you know, do go a bit longer on that one. So say you've been doing, um, you know, 15 minutes of running, two minutes on, two minutes off or something like that. So I guess that'd be 16 minutes. You could push it up to 20 or something at the weekend because your body is probably like in a position where you're going to be kind of sitting around. You're not going to be doing quite as much. Mm. So on those quieter days during the week, it's kind of okay to add a tiny bit more volume. And that can actually give you a bit of a boost as well. Once you don't overdo it, you kind of just do it in a small way. You can kind mm-hmm. of stick a bit more in there kind of as well by doing that. Yeah, there are some great tips. I know from experience that chin specifically is, is a big issue that a lot of the new runners get. And, and I think that's one thing that if I could recommend everyone, if you do feel those chin 
coming on, that pain across your shin, just immediately try to, to, to pull it back because they're, they're, it's quite quick for them to come on and it can take a long time for them to go away. So you're better off nipping that one in the bud. So anyone that's starting running, be careful there. I guess the other thing was um, in regards to getting fitter over time. I think for me, the big difference when I started developing a little bit of running fitness is that over time, when you first start out, running at all paces is exhausting, essentially. You, you can't maintain it for too long. I think as you start to get fitter, you have the ability to run at a slow pace without getting exhausted and you can kind of maintain that for longer periods of time it gives you more of a range really of of, of levels you can kind of run at and yeah. um, which can help you know i think a lot of people find running miserable because you just can't run slow enough for it to not be miserable but that yeah. does change over time as you get fitter you kind of you've got higher top end and you can run at a slower pace and it's quite nice and enjoyable and it's, it's sustainable but it does take you know a couple months really to get there would you say Gareth? it does absolutely i mean it's kind of like you know there's all these different figures in psychology and kind of different walks of life for like how long it becomes or takes to kind of become you know, somewhat proficient at something mm. and where it kind of just becomes part of your natural kind of habit or kind of you know part of your daily kind of cycle in terms of what you do i would say yeah kind of if you stick with it for about two months you know you'll actually just kind of naturally you know get there and you'll actually be able to kind of run consistently the 5k is it that the race that's kind of the reason i mentioned the 5k because there's a, the programs like catch the 5k are, are quite good because they structure it in such a way that you know you'll be training for like six to eight weeks and then you'll actually kind of build up to to running 5k consistently without stopping and once you've kind of got the confidence boost to being able to do that, then I think there's kind of nothing stopping you after that. You know, you can kind of you can build from there. One of the worst things I see, and you know, I discourage anyone from doing it, is uh, is setting up a goal like that they're going to run a marathon in like October, February. Now as we're recording this, but like trying to do that in the same year when you've not run at all is just a terrible, terrible idea. You should always start with uh, the shorter distance, and you know. If you do have a longer term goal to run a marathon, which is like 42K as opposed to 5K, mm. then, you know, you should be looking, you know, 18 months to two years out. Like, and I know that might seem ridiculous, but mm. it's the surest way to kind of you know, to enjoy the experience and that kind of thing. You should always be looking to the, uh, the shorter distances first because you're just, you're not going to attract as much, you know, as many injuries. You're going to enjoy yeah. it a lot more and you're just going to get kind of much more from it. You'll actually end up then with, you know, running being kind of part of your life and something you enjoy as opposed to kind of I've done yeah. it once kind of now I've, I've kind of exhausted myself and I hate it now you know but I see that a lot like with people who kind of do a marathon they force themselves to do it once and they, they very often kind of don't do the proper training and they'll end up kind of walking large parts of it and just not enjoying it at all yeah yeah I, it's probably more of a badge of honor than it is you know a, a yeah, lifestyle exactly. change yeah yeah whereas we want to be kind of setting people up to kind of to get the benefits of running kind of on a long-term basis you know yeah Okay, well, let's get into the actual run. So you, you've, you've, you've planned it out. You know what, you know, you should be kind of tracking in terms of your RP and things like that. But when you're actually running, what are some things that you'd, you'd advise people to actually focus on internally and externally? You know, what, what should people, you know, spend their, their, their mental capacity on? Well, the first thing I would say is before you go out the door, like it's good to do some stretches. Um, so mm. you should actually be kind of, you know, just doing some, you can look up different routines, but just some lunges, um, some squats, um, putting your hands down on the ground, kind of in a push-up position, just kind of, you know, going up and down with your legs and stuff. You're basically just trying to warm your body up because the last mm. thing you want to do is kind of get into a run when you've been sitting on the desk all day um, mm. and just try and go out because you're just... Um, your glutes, which your your muscles, you know, at the bottom of your back, they're they're basically not going to be enabled, and you want to basically kind of get them firing before you go out because you're just going to have much more leg lift. You're going to enjoy the experience a lot more. So a small bit mm -hmm. of that would be good before you go out. Um, I myself run with music, so um, I think a good a good playlist is good. Um, nowadays, like you know, you can get a a good pair of um Bluetooth headphones for for next to nothing really like you know you can pick up a pair for a 20 or 30 euro and i probably suggest that people actually kind of you know start when they're running with kind of a cheaper pair of headphones because um 
it's, it's quite possible they'll fall out, you'll lose them, they'll get wet, you know, so rather than kind of using a big expensive two, three hundred euro pair that you might have around the house, get a cheap mm. pair for running is a good idea. And um, then just get a, a playlist that kind of motivate, motivates you. You don't want to get something that um, makes you run too fast, obviously, because that's quite easy to do when a fast tempo song comes on. So um, mm. you know, just bear that in mind as well. But then once you have all that set up, um, the things to do really are, you know, just kind of think about your, your, your running form. Like, so you want to be, I would always say when you're running, you should be trying to, you know, lean basically kind of with your whole body. You shouldn't be kind of leaning from just where you're, you know, your, your back kind of, you know, upper body mm-hmm. kind of side of things. You basically almost want to be kind of falling forward, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. you can imagine your whole, your whole body being kind of up like a book. It's almost like a book falling forward. The whole thing kind of falls together. It's not like doesn't split in the middle and kind of lean forward. Um, mm. And you'll often see that, um, you know, you can get issues, you know, from sitting too long or from running as well in terms of your kind of a tight lower back. And that's often because the muscles there are not strong enough. So again, it's one of the reasons to loosen that stuff up before you go out. But then if you do notice that happen while you're on, while you're on your run as well, that's probably an area that you need to focus on is to kind of to improve those muscles around there and strengthen up. And those kind of areas and then you know it's just a case of getting out and enjoying it i think to be honest because um you can you can get out on a really kind of wet day um windy day winter day but once you've got the right gear so you have your your hat and your gloves on and stuff you can still really really enjoy it you could be wondering why there's not more people out like running in the rain because uh, you're really kind of enjoying and getting a kick out of it um you know rather than kind of just saying oh if the weather's terrible i can't do anything this evening you know that type of thing so mm. Yeah, I think I think there are some really good tips. Um, personally, and something I it took me a, a while to learn um, and and to focus on is actually focusing on what you had planned to do for today. So you might have planned to do a thirty minute walk, run, something like that. But I think especially people that have backgrounds in in sport and things like that they can often get caught up with what's going on around them. And if you're in a location, you might be running in the city center or in a town that in the evening that has a lot, quite a lot of runners, you might just get caught up in the, in the atmosphere of people running around you. You might be doing your little two minutes of walk before you start running again. Someone runs past you and you're kind of sure you're fitter than them. You can just kind of get caught up in, in the, the process of running and your ego can almost get taken over um so it's just what i would say is you know regardless of your 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 level you know do what you had planned for the day don't worry about what everyone else is doing you know if you want to be fast down the road you can get into races and things like that you don't need to be fast and the fastest person you know that that's running around your locality every single night of the week It, it really doesn't doesn't do anything positive for you does it no not at all not at all i mean um you know you're not it's like none of us are going to the Olympics. So you know, mm-hmm. running in the sport is kind of like it's it's a it's a race against yourself, really. Like it's you trying to get better, you trying to get better. It's almost kind of like you know self improvement for want of a better way of kind of describing it. You know, because um, it is a great way to kind of improve your overall cardiovascular kind of fitness. So I think you're not competing against anyone else. Like you know, you shouldn't even be thinking about kind of doing that. Um, you know, at the start. Um, one other good tip, I guess, in terms of getting in, in, into the zone kind of type thing, it, it's great and a good thing to run with someone else. Um, mm. So if your partner or friend is, is interested in um, you know, getting into running as well or you know, is even a tiny bit further ahead of you, further along in the journey, that can actually help a lot because um, whatever way our brains work when you're running with someone else like the same effort that you're putting in just seems so much easier so mm. you could actually like be going along by yourself and going oh this is painful this is like really tough whereas once you're actually kind of your brain is kind of taken off for a few minutes and you're having a chat with somebody about kind of what went on that day it's um it just becomes much much easier um so you'll often see kind of you know runners that are training a few years and kind of you know in clubs mm. and stuff because it's much much easier to run with with a bunch of people than it is to kind of go out and do it by yourself. And um, that's not to say you shouldn't start by yourself. If you want to start by yourself, it's great. Um, it's just, you know, it can make it easier if you have someone else to kind of go and train with as well. Yeah, I think they're great tips. And it kind of it, it brings us real nicely onto the idea of training. You know, I think a lot of people have 
done running in the past and they, they, you know, they do their local loop. There might be a 5K loop and they start doing it for a few weeks. And often they just feel a bit burnt out. There's no kind of variation in it. They say, oh, you know, I don't like running. It's boring or I just don't enjoy it that much. Or, you know, they might not be seeing that much progression. In, in regards to training and kind of structuring people's weeks, you know, should people be focusing on anything in particular? Yeah, I'd say like, you know, you're, you're going to be running in the same area and most, mm. most people. So I'd say pick out a couple of routes. Like you can look up, um, there's a few different services online that you can kind of just you know, Google kind of map or map a run or map a, map a route type thing. Um, so pick a few roads actually and, you know, that you can kind of run on consistently. It doesn't necessarily need to be a very far distance. Like you can do loops. Um, but do vary it up a bit, like, you know, even just going, going, even doing the same loop on a Tuesday, say, but then going out on Thursday and doing it backwards can make the whole loop mm. completely different because you're going to hit any kind of hilly parts or any kind of exposed parts to the wind at different times during the run. Um, so it can, it can feel quite different, um, you know, in terms of what you're doing. And then I would say that if you're, you know, it's fine to do two if you're just starting out, but if you were doing three, um, you know, depending on the kind of plan you're following, case of 5K, there, there could be two or three. I'd say, you know, if you have a bit more time, you might, you know, go somewhere else or kind of go a different route the weekend, even drive up or kind of get up to one of the parks that are near you as well, which can kind of totally change the experience as well. Like, so I think that can be good. When you're a tiny bit further along on, on the journey, you know, so once you've kind of, you've conquered that first 5K, um, you can get into kind of different types of uh, run sessions. So um, like you might have one, like it's kind of, you know, a, a long, steady run, which is, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of know at that point in time what your pace is. Like, I'm able to run 5.30 per kilometer, like, you know, for up to 5K. So I, I know that I can kind of stick to that pace. So you might go out and, you know, you might run something like 1K at that pace and then you might slow down by 30 seconds and you might pick it up again. So you can you can start to play with the different times in terms of, like, you know, what your targets are. And then, you know, a good way of doing it actually is if you have a figure, if you have a figure set, a really simple figure of like 25 minutes for the 5k. Mm. And, you know, so it's five minutes per kilometer. You might start to run a small bit faster than that. You might say, okay, I'm going to go one kilometer at 430. The next one, I'm going to go back to 530. And I'm going to go to 430. I'm going to go to 530. What that does is it kind of trains your systems kind of to go a bit faster than you ran up to now. Um, mm. And notice over time that the first 430 will seem quite easy and you might even go a bit faster accidentally. You should pull back a bit, obviously. But then the 530 will start to feel quite slow. And over time, it just starts to kind of um, to, to kind of bring your pace up and uh, makes you kind of run a bit faster. Um, mm. I would say that it's important to, you know, stick to no more than three runs a week at the start is, is plenty. Even people mm. who I know have been running for like, you know, three, four years, you know, they probably mostly don't run more than five times a week because like, you do need the recovery. The recovery is equally important, if not more important than the actual running itself. Mm -hmm. So if you're blocking out your week, um, I would find that people generally don't want to do things on a Monday because you're starting off in the week, but uh, you can either do Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and then I'd probably put the other run at the weekend. So mm -hmm. always have that gap in between kind of where you're giving your body that chance to recover doesn't mean you need to be completely you know sedentary on those days you can do yoga you can do pilates you could even be cycling you could be going for a walk definitely good to be in some activities but in terms of running when you're new you should kind of split your your week up that way and then getting back to the point a minute ago at the time like if, when you're a bit further along you might decide that tuesday is going to be my my day where i'm just going to kind of run easy i'm just going to go by feel you know, i might be tired some days some days i'll be feeling a bit more energetic and that's fine Whereas then on Thursday, I might decide I'm going to try that. I'm going to go 435, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of map out your run that way. But I do need that's to stress, that's when you're a bit further along. Like at the start, you're just going to go mm -hmm. by time. You're just going to say two minutes on, two minutes off. And I'm going to kind of do 16 minutes total and then I'm done. Um, and I would say if you do that and you're not home, then just walk home. Like you don't, you know, run the extra bit, just get home a bit quicker. You know, stick to the program is always kind of good. Yeah. I think you started bringing up uh, like some paces and things like that there. And I know it's going to be completely different for everyone, depending on their background or, you know, the, all sorts of factors. But I guess a lot of people are just interested in what are some of the standards. And I think back in the lockdowns of 2020, a lot of people started getting into running. And I know 
uh, some of the most popular searches coming out of Ireland were what is a good 5k pace? What is a good, you know, 10k pace? So I know it's, again, it's different for everyone, but what are the, some of the really general things in terms of paces for something like a 5k that people might have in the back of their head? If you're totally new to running, then you should be kind of probably trying to break about 30 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're a bit fitter, um, maybe 25, if you're doing mm-hmm. other sports already. I would add as well, though, if you're running with a partner or anything, like um, lads, as in kind of men, would have a fairly big advantage when it comes to running. Like they're generally um, just through strength and oxygen absorption and stuff, about 12 or 13% faster than a woman would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just bear that in mind that um, if you're running with a partner, the, the guy might progress a tiny bit faster than, than the woman would after mm-hmm. a period of time when you're starting off, you know, running together, you can both be at a very similar level, but he's probably going to start to find it a bit easier, quicker than, than you would, assuming you're both starting from the exact same position. That's just mm-hmm. it's not what you can do about that. It may even be, you know kind of cancelled out by natural ability because we haven't spoken about that yet obviously as well different people are going to have different natural ability and we need a separate podcast for that but it can come it can it can be down to a huge range of different factors you know in terms of people's Mm. natural ability as well and so yeah there's a good bit there as well that's great okay so people you say people do hit some of these numbers things like that I guess when people start to get interested, you know, they'll, they're, they're going to start thinking about, okay, is there, is there competitions? Is there races? Is there clubs I can join? Could you maybe give some people a bit of a, a you know, a little bit of an insight into what's out there for people to get involved in? Yeah, yeah definitely. There's, there's, there's plenty. Like, um, so I'd say there's a lot of running clubs. Um, so I'm based in Dublin. There's probably you know, 12, 15 kind of, very well-known running clubs and probably even more that I'm not aware of out there. So mm. they'll like, they're always looking for, for new people to join. I guess the kind of the standard that they would have is because they have a coach and somebody's going to kind of give you advice, that kind of thing. And to really bring on your running, but the standard they would have is that you can run 5k without stopping, you know? So it doesn't matter if you're taking 30 minutes, if you're taking 20 minutes, but mm. be able to kind of run that typically kind of without stopping. So you'd want to be kind of having, done it yourself for a while and kind of done the case to 5k and you'll be comfortable with that as i said the pace doesn't matter at all when you get into a running club there'll be people of all sorts of abilities some people will kind of do it mostly for the social aspect whereas others will are kind of you know the, the ocd kind of you know very kind of intense kind of i want to always improve type people you know it, mm. it takes all courses but it's a great way to meet people as well um, and as i say you're always going to get the benefit then if you're going to those club training sessions of running with other people you know with a range mm. of different abilities and you're going to improve even more from doing that and make friends and stuff which is a great way to uh, you know true sport is always a good way to meet new people with kind mm. of similar interests there's other programs as well that you can get into so there's them um, fit for life is a thing very similar it's kind of an irish initiative which is very similar to, to 5k um, very often that will be run by running clubs themselves and kind of one of the coaches will be involved in that and that's very much out of at a kind of couch to 5k kind of very beginner level there's no requirement mm. to have run before at all um, and if you google that kind of in your local area i'm sure you'll kind of come up against something that's there and um, mm. you know for you to join and there's a last one as well like i mentioned which is meet and train which mm. is linked to running clubs but it's specifically for female runners um, mm. so it kind of gives that uh, opportunity to kind of compete um just in kind of female only kind of races that are there and they do a season of cross country and a season of road races so it gives people who are I guess kind of more uh, novice kind of entry-level kind of runners opportunity to kind of race against each other and you know bring each other on and prove that way as well by competition and mm. um, rather than kind of being in kind of you know I guess open races which can be a bit longer distance these races kind of tend to be a kind of bit shorter distances of kind of maybe you know kind of two up to kind of 5k so mm. but, but all very good and kind of you know come with good recommendations yeah, and probably the last one that, that I'm aware of, and, and I know it's pro- possibly a gateway into a lot of these clubs and getting yourself the confidence to do it, is the park run. Um, yeah, park run is yeah. brilliant, yeah. So park run is a, people don't know, it's like 5K runs that are run you know, every Saturday up and down the country. But fortunately, you know, it, it, during lockdowns and stuff, it's kind of, it's have to be, have to be parked and stuff, but hopefully they'll, mm. they'll get back up running soon enough. 
Um, but the great thing about parkrun is just sign up and then you can run not only in any parkrun in Ireland, but if you're on holidays in Spain, in America, in the UK, you can get involved in parkrun. All you do is you turn up with a, barco- a barcode that you get for free when you sign up. And you show that at the very end of the race and that records your position and your time and all that kind of stuff. And it's probably no better atmosphere at a, at a running race than at a park run race. There's, there's all sorts of levels there from, you know, families kind of running together, people pushing strollers to kind of the, to the faster runners as well, that the run with the clubs that might be in the local area kind of want to take part that week. And I'd say mm-hmm. it's free, which is great. Like, and it's all recorded and, photographs you're taking so and a lot of them go for coffee and stuff after so again it's a great kind of social mm. part of it as well great so i want to kind of shift a little bit and go into some of the mistakes possibly people make when they first started getting into running now we talked about things like ego or just running too hard and things like that but is there anything else that you would just Tell people, you know, to keep an eye on over their first couple of months getting into running or things maybe not to even focus on at all. Um, injury is probably the biggest one, to be honest. So, like, mm. looking for the surfaces that you're running on. Um, you know, it's very easy to just go straight outside your house and kind of run on the kind of nearest available kind of footpath and stuff. But um, mm. if that's made out of hard concrete, then maybe it's not the best place to kind of go. You should be kind of walking a bit further and then kind of starting from there. Um, asphalt is probably the best kind of surface that you can run on if you're kind of limited to the roads and stuff which is kind of the black kind of darker surface that bike lanes mm. are often made out of um, I don't encourage running on the actual road itself but it's, it's made out of the same surface but you know you can kind of you can choose a softer surface is always going to be a good uh, thing I would say grass as well but grass can be difficult to run on in, in winter when the evenings are dark and all that kind of stuff but if mm. you do have that option then you know, that's, that's all the better it's going to be much more accommodating on your on your body and that kind of thing other areas i'd say are um you know not kind of fueling correctly and stuff like so your body does kind of need carbs and stuff kind of to to use up for exercise so if you're on like a a low carb diet or stuff like that and you're going to you know start up running you might need to kind of increase your your carbohydrate intake a small bit but then on the opposite end of that as well when you're starting out like you don't want to kind of you need to be aware of kind of how many calories you're, you're burning from the distance that you're doing. Um, mm. So, you know, typically what you're going to be talking about is that about a mile of running is going to be about hundred calories for the average kind of you know, person that would be out there. That'll obviously vary quite a lot by, you know, your, your fitness levels, your height, your weight, your age, all these different things. But you want to be sure that you're not overeating as well. Like, you know, cause you are going to get mm. some of the benefits there, but you can negate some of them if you're kind of eating too much as well at the same time. I would say as well that, you know, sorry, did you want to jump in there? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, and I see that a lot, especially when you're starting out, because, again, a lot of people start running very hard. And I think that intensity is often correlated with, like, an increase in appetite. You, you When you run hard, your appetite starts to burn up real uh, hard. So, and you often come home thinking you deserve, you know, a lot of food. But in reality, just as you're saying, you've possibly burned, you know, a lot less calories than your appetite is, you know, telling you to go for. So just be cautious of that one, you know, um, because you can kind of, a lot of people use running as a tool for weight loss, when in reality, you know, your diet is really going to be that big driver of any kind of weight change over time and, and not the, the, the running itself. So just that's one to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've heard one thing a long time ago, and it's actually like that your you know, abs are made in the kitchen. They're not made by, by running or any other kind of sport. Mm. Like by going to the gym, it's, you've got to kind of have the two things in balance. You could, you could argue that, you know, if you're a recreational runner, you do have a tiny bit more flexibility you know, that you might not put on weight, you know, by having that chocolate bar after lunch and stuff. But mm. you'd also find to kind of balance that the people that are you know, more focused on training and get more into it, actually become more aware of what good healthy eating is. Mm-hmm. And actually their kind of preference kind of turns away, you know, somewhat from the, the unhealthy kind of foods as well. And they kind of, they start to kind of get you know, more interested in kind of, you know, educating themselves in those different areas and cooking more healthily and stuff as well. So that can mm-hmm. be kind of a win-win that can kind of happen from, you know, trying to improve and kind of look for those kind of gains, especially when you mm-hmm. get into it a bit more. And then I'd say some of the other areas that I've seen kind of, and I've done this myself a lot as well in the past is regardless of whether it's running or whatever it is in life, you can kind of get overly focused on one particular thing. 
um, and, and, you know, over-focused on that one goal. And I think it's always good to have balance. So I would always kind of recommend that, you know, you kind of keep a second hobby as such as well, whether that's kind of, you know, reading, maybe it's playing golf, like it's, it could be some other sport, it could be anything at all, really, it could be photography, but um, you, you want to basically kind of have something else that if you do get injured, you're not going to see this, this big catastrophic thing. It's just kind of a small blip on the road. And you'll be back kind of, you know, in a few weeks, kind of when when the injury is healed, when you've given it time to rest. And um, I see a lot of people that get really kind of, you know, they've got this one goal where they're training for something and then kind of they get an injury and they get really down about it, you know, and then they often won't even get back into it. They won't start back up again. So I think that's important as well to have that balance in your life in terms of something else that you can you can start out, you know, and get into. And if you yeah. get a small injury, because I would say, like, not to discourage people, but, you know, if you're going to run for years on end, it's kind of a case of when rather than if you're going to pick up an injury. Mm-hmm. But none of us are, again, as I said, are Olympic athletes. So we're going to have problems with the way we run or this, the style of running that we have, like which is going to eventually attract some kind of issue because it's it's repetitive use of certain muscles and kind of stuff. So um, that just kind of, you know, is important to kind of bear in mind as well to kind of have that extra kind of balance, I guess. But it's also kind of a point there just on, to mention on the injuries. If you do notice anything at all mm. um, when you're beginning, it's another mistake, I guess, is, you know, don't wait to kind of, you know, call up the physio and stuff. Like, it's good to kind of, you know, get in there and get something solved, you know, quickly. And if you feel that, you know, you're getting quite sore, actually just taking that one day off now could actually save mm. you like two weeks a bit further down the road. Because the more you run on something and then, you know, if it keeps staying sore, um, you know, it's just going to kind of make things worse. A good rule of thumb that people use in running actually is that because um, you learn this over time, like what's actually kind of a niggle or an injury. So if you're a bit stiff or sore, or kind of, but it goes away like, you know, five minutes after kind of starting running, then, you know, generally it's something you can you can put up with and it's, it's fine. But if it's something that kind of stays there and kind of keeps niggling through the run, then, you know, you've got something more serious there and you kind of you need to take a look at that and probably need to kind of, go and see a physio you know mm. uh, or kind of do some if you think it's a small thing you can try and do some kind of self-massage on it and kind of see if it helps work it out but very often especially when you're new you're better off getting some professional help yeah no doubt i think that consistency over time is is definitely probably the big factor in you know improving like i think a lot of people look at running and any kind of new activity you know as really short term you know do it four weeks and they're going to run loads but in reality you know, it's all about just steady growth and being nice and consistent. And if that means taking, you know, an unplanned day off and so your body can heal up and that means that you're able to stay more consistent over the next two or three months, that's going to be so much more beneficial to you over the long term, you know. It is. And I'm not going to say that, like, I get that right or everyone gets that right. I have plenty of examples where I kind of you know, pushed on an injury for too long and then kind of regret that later, like, yeah. Um, but, you know, giving advice to people, that's kind of always got to be the kind of way to, to kind of spot these things early if you can. Mm. It's always going to be better. And, and one thing that I might add that's been very beneficial to me is, you know, focusing on, you know, your recovery, but specifically your sleep. You know, I think when you're stressing your body out with this new activity, you're going to need to focus on getting that little bit of sleep where you can recover a little bit more. I like to give people the advice that if you're running for, you know, 30, 40 minutes in a day, maybe just give yourself that same extra allocated time to get some extra sleep. So you might give your, get to bed half an hour earlier or just plan your day a little bit differently so you can wake up a little bit later because your body is going to need that extra restoration. And that's generally done during sleep, sleep is, is really where we get better. It's where we recover. We're not really getting any better from the run per se we're breaking our body down our muscles our our aerobic system and that's really recovered during sleep so you need to all that allocation that you've given the running maybe give that extra little bit of an allocation to sleep as well absolutely that's that's like great advice and stuff like i would always um advocate try and do it myself as well that like your your sleep cycles are important as well like so you should Mm. really be um, you know, spending 12 hours in bed on a Saturday and Sunday and then seven or six on a, on a weekday, you kind of, you mm. want to be consistent. And when you when you start running, actually, you get a bit more into it as well. That could be quite good as well, because you're just used to getting up at like six or seven kind of. Brilliant. So the last thing, and I really wanted to, to drive this one a little bit myself, was around 
workplace promotion and what kind of organizations could do to promote not just running, but any of these kind of well-being topics that we'll, we've explored in the past and we're going to explore in the future. But for running, per se, some things that can really help individuals is being flexible with the hours worked. If you can give the, your team or your organization the ability to say, okay, I might start at, you know, half nine instead of nine so I can get that run and get the shower and get a bit of food before work, that's going to be hugely beneficial. Or if you can give the ability to, you know, go for that run at lunchtime and maybe the person can can work, you know, 15 minutes later in the evening yeah. or whatever it works out for that person, I think it's going to be really beneficial. Would you say that, Kurt? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's much, I've, I've not seen any research on this as such, but mm. my own kind of feeling, it's much, much more enjoyable to go running during the day. Mm. Um, especially during winter when you've gone out, it's, it could be wet and cold in the evenings, arguably even da- more dangerous with traffic and stuff like, but it's much more enjoyable to be going out during the day. And I think you'll get that much, yeah. Uh, you'll get that performance boost as well in the afternoon by getting the exercise in at lunchtime as well, mm-hmm. or alternatively waking yourself up in the morning by getting the run in, um, you know, early in the morning. So I think it's definitely something the company should kind of take more advantage of because um, you could arguably, arguably get more productivity from the people that they actually get to have that run at lunchtime mm-hmm. even if they miss 15 minutes because they'll be much more alert than someone who just went and had a big heavy lunch and kind of did nothing and then went back straight back to work, you know. And especially when people are working at home at the moment, I think it's kind of much easier for people to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, you can you can be kind of you can be kind of ready to go almost kind of in your in your running gear, you know, and just kind of really cut down on the kind of time. Whereas when you're working in an office environment, like you have to go kind of and change and have a shower and all the kind of stuff, so it can take a bit mm-hmm. longer. Whereas when people are working at home, it can actually work really really nicely and stuff. And plus, you're getting out at the quieter time of day, it's nice as well, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And I think in regards to how they can support in other ways, I'd be looking at, I know some organizations, and it completely depends on your organization, but I've seen organizations in the past have well-being allocations in regards to time. So they might say, okay, I'm going to give my team one hour additional well-being allocation of time and they can use it on whatever they want so they could go for a run during the week during you know office hours or they might say oh i'm going to do some yoga or meditation and that's they don't have to make that time up and yeah as Garrett was saying you know when you're when you're giving your your people allowing them to be healthier they're going to be more productive Oftentimes they're going to be sick less, you know, and, and they're going to enjoy their work and their time in the company a lot more. Other things I've seen is wellness bursaries. A lot of companies say, okay, here's, you know, 250, 300, whatever amount of money per year, and you can spend it on whatever kind of thing that supports your wellness. So it might be that, you know, Garmin watch you wanted. There might be some exercise equipment. It might be some physio sessions or, or, or a gym membership. But it, it supports those individuals and it really shows that, you know, you care about them being healthy. Um, other things, branded gear, if, if there is a bit of a culture or you wanted to get a bit of a culture, a lot of organizations will, you know, get some T-shirts with their, you know, the company branding on it, things like that, which can just, again, show you, show the, you, the individuals in the company that, you know, you care about them and you, you support them. And then finally, sorry, Gary, jump in there on any of them. No, no, that's, that's, that's good. I was just going to kind of say with the brand the gear and stuff, we get, I was just thinking back to a place I used to work before where actually when you're a bit further along and you kind of get more experience at running, it can actually be a great way to kind of to, 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 you know, become better friends, I guess, with some of your colleagues and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can kind of bring them on the journey that you've been on. And you can actually kind of get involved and kind of give them some advice in terms of how they can start out. Um, and that can be really kind of, you know, you know, not just encouraging for you, but it can also be, bring great satisfaction i guess and um, to kind of mm. just to help people along kind of in terms of kind of you know on their running journey like that as well um, and giving them the advice in terms of kind of some of the things that you might have kind of done wrong when you started out as well so that could be really good there's also yeah. um with with regard to kind of you know you know you know clubs and stuff there's there's a lot of people out there now actually that you know have different expertise in running and um I think some of them, I, I don't know the names per se, but there's a lot of people that would do coaching and stuff on a corporate kind of level. So they'll actually mm. come in like you'd have kind of a physio or, you know, like you'd have a, a, a Pilates class at lunchtime and they'll actually do kind of a running technique workshop mm-hmm. uh, in the company. So I think that can be quite good as well. Like, and they can bring groups out on runs as well and kind of, you know, give them some advice on their, 
on their form and stuff like because that is kind of the things they are the things that people start to think about kind of when they're a bit further along is like is my running form good and kind of kind of mm-hmm. there um you know and kind of what exercises could i do to build some strength or to kind of to loosen out some of my muscles and that kind of stuff so i think companies can definitely boost that by um you know bringing someone in to kind of to, to give a kind of a lecture kind of help along the run club a bit but it's yeah. also just a really good way to, to meet more of your colleagues and kind of get out kind of in a formal kind of thing and it's a great leveler as well because you'll often find when these things exist that you'll have someone on the management team out there with someone who's just in the door as well like you know yeah um, and the person who's just in the door you know could be a lot younger and you know much faster and stuff so i think that can be a great way for people to socialize mm-hmm. as well and that kind of stuff you know? yeah and, and, and companies spend so much time thinking about social connection and how to improve teamwork and stuff and there's nothing that bonds people like misery and 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 working hard together and kind of breaking themselves down it really connects people a lot of people know that from being in sports teams growing up and you're very connected to these people and it's a great way in an organization if you can get people to kind of suffer for the greater good together and something like this it really bonds everyone together so that small investment that you you know you might be considering is probably worth it so much more than than a lot of other things you you might think that you know is more important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great. So another thing there as well that I'd say um, is you know drinking a lot more water. So when you're brand new to running um, or any sport, you're gonna like, be sweating a lot more. You're gonna be kind of burning a lot more energy. So running in particular does kind of, you, know, you, you get quite hot very quickly. So you're going to be drinking a lot more water. You're going to need to drink a lot more water. So I'd be definitely kind of, you know, recommending that you're kind of, you know, making sure that you hit those kind of recommended daily amounts. And I think you're just going to naturally kind of, you know, seek that out. Um, and that's absolutely fine uh, mm-hmm. to do it. But it's also going to improve your running as well, because um, there's a lot of studies done that kind of show that, you know, if you're not hydrated going into your running, that the, the perceived exertion is going to be way higher. Um, mm. So it's important that you actually go in hydrated as well. It's, it's as important as fuel, if not more important, just in terms mm. of how you actually feel kind of when you're starting out. Yeah, I think that's especially relevant. Possibly, you know, people often ask, you know, what should I be eating or drinking before or after or during? And I think for most people, you know, if you're running for under an hour, which I presume most people will be if you're kind of starting off, you're mostly going to be 30 minutes, you just need to be, have some, some a nice meal beforehand, a couple hours before, some kind of fuel just to kind of, you know, get you perked up. That might just be a bit of fruit or something um, an hour before, and you just need a good, a good hydration status, so a bit of water. You don't need, I don't think, to be excessively thinking about staying hydrated during your run and bringing a bottle with you. Usually you'll have enough kind of water on board if you've hydrated before to get through that. Yet, for sure, once you finish up, then re- start rehydrating again. But I don't think for those shorter, under an hour sessions, um, you, I don't think you need to excessively be thinking about too much hydration in the session or too much kind of fueling in the session. Would you, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like yeah. Most, of the, most of the kind of research I've seen in my own experience kind of running marathons and stuff, like you can do, you can do about two hours like without kind of requiring much more fuel. Uh, or water to be honest like unless it's a really hot day uh, in the mm. summer, then you might change that up because like being in ireland where i am you just wouldn't be used to that but in general circumstances yeah that'd be absolutely absolutely fine to go with you know and um, you know it'd be grand and um, perfect canadian guy and i just think it does a really good job of actually kind of explaining kind of the different types of workouts that you could be doing when you're starting and running but also mm. giving the exercises and stretches that are specific to running so there's mm-hmm. no point in going into the gym and lifting a load of weights if, you know, you're trying to get leaner for, for running, you know. So I think this book just does a really good job of actually kind of, you know, giving you a program that's specific to running and it's actually going to make you a better runner and um, making it very easy to understand as well. So it's, it's Science of Running by a guy called Chris Napier. Um, and I just picked this up on Amazon. It was a recommendation from a friend a couple of years ago. And I think it's a really good one uh, to, to read it's not a book you'd read back to front. It's kind of a book you'd dip into different sections on, but um, it's only, I think it was only like 12, 15 euro. Um, so mm. really, really good buy to get. And no matter what level you're at, I'd say actually it's a good one to pick up. Okay. Well, Gareth, thanks so much for joining me today. I think 
everyone's going to get a lot of tips. Hopefully you're able to absorb most of them. Hopefully that's given you either some motivation to get out and try, or at least, you know, when you are ready, you're going to have some of those tools to really help support you. So yeah, thanks again. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys on our next podcast. So thanks everybody.